if you could be with one person right now, who would that be? And where would you be with that person? I'm assuming that all of us are thinking of being with someone at some place where we would be happy. I'm assuming that the vast majority of us don't want to be with someone who causes us angst. We've probably chosen someone whose presence brings happiness in our lives. The story of the Bible begins with people experiencing great happiness in peace because they're in the presence of someone. The story of the Bible begins with this place called the Garden of Eden where two people are located, and they're located in this garden. They're fully in the presence, the Bible describes, of the Creator God. And as they're in the full presence of the Creator God, they're fully happy and peaceful. Yet, we find out rather quickly in the Bible that this peace and this happiness is broken. And all of a sudden, they're dispelled from the presence of God. And then the rest of the Bible basically builds on this storyline that because the relationship has been broken and there's no longer peace or happiness because we can't be in the full presence of God, now the story begins to build that God begins to work through a nation he calls Israel. As he begins to work through this nation that he calls Israel, he makes a promise to this nation. He says to them, all other nations are going to be blessed through you. And as he begins to flesh out and build out this promise to the nation Israel, he says to them, I'm going to send you a servant. This servant is going to come from a virgin and is going to be born in a city called Bethlehem. So the whole Old Testament is this idea of building up to this person who's coming, who's going to restore all things to greatness. You could say that the Bible is all about restoring things to the way it was in the Garden of Eden. And tonight we're celebrating that the one who does restore all things has come in the form of a baby, Jesus Christ, God with us. So we want to unpack tonight a little bit. Well, what does this mean? that God has come to us? What does this mean that the promise has been fulfilled? The promise of the Old Testament has taken place. A baby has been born. What does it mean for us today? What does it mean when it says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says, God with us? What does this mean for us? The first thing we have to understand about this name that Jesus has given, Emmanuel, the first thing we have to understand is this. It's not a political slogan. Think about all of the current politicians. What storyline do they love to tell? They love to build out the idea that they relate to the common folk really well. And politicians go to great lengths to this. Most of the time, the story starts with something like this. My great-aunt's father on my mother's side was one who had to bring lunch to work had to prepare his own lunch. Therefore, I know what it's like to come from the lowly bottom. And they build out this storyline that they know how to, they think they identify with the common folk because of someone far back in their family lineage. Well, they want to be able to identify with the common folk. So what? The common folk can feel like they can identify with them. But we all know those politicians. 
They can't identify with the common folk when they have drivers picking them up. Most of them have never prepared their own lunch. But tonight we celebrate that we have a king and we have a leader who we can actually identify with. Because when the Bible tells us God with us, the Bible is telling us that God entered into creation and actually experienced what we experience. When the Bible describes God entering into creation, the very first story that we're celebrating tonight has no majesty to it outside of God's intervening miracles. If you look at the Christmas story strictly from a human perspective of 2,000 years ago, it would have very simply been this, a common man and a common woman who obviously did something wrong because they're having a baby outside of marriage, and then you've got a bunch of lowly shepherds coming to celebrate the birth of this baby. It would have looked extremely common to the general eye because there was no majestic moment when Jesus came outside of God's miraculous moments when he intervened through Mary, through an angel, and through a star. But outside of those moments, everything is common. It's God entering into everyday stuff. Where is he born? In a manger. You don't get much simpler than that. Which city is he born in? The Bible tells us it's recorded that he's born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is not New York City. Bethlehem is kind of like North Dakota. No one wants to go there. And no one gets any publicity. Everything about the story of Jesus entering into creation is common and simple. It's because God is entering in and relating to the common folk. God is entering in to identify with humanity. This last week I was shopping at a local grocery store, and I don't want to mention any names because I don't want to make anyone feel bad, but the place was swamped as usual this time of year, and people waiting in line, and you can just see the, the people working are just, they're like, oh, why do all of these idiots wait till the last minute? Thing. Well, as things are going, I see the store director come along. He's got his big fancy name tag on, he kind of sees directing people where to go, but he's got no one left to direct. And so what does he do? He's got to go and take a cash register over. So he goes and takes a cash register over and begins to check out the person. But what, do you, what happens next? He has to flip on the little help light. Someone was coming through the line to purchase alcohol. He didn't have the code or the authority to allow them to go through with the purchase. Here's the boss. Here's the one running the store. And he's standing confused behind the cash register. He can't identify with his employees because he's usually not working alongside of his employees. And that's a tough boss to work for sometimes. I don't know anything about this person. But we have a God and a creator who identifies with us, who comes and experiences the lowliest of moments. If you think working a cash register is lowly, you should consider the life of Jesus. Jesus wasn't born and then escorted off to a castle that was protected by walls. Jesus was born and then continued a simple life. Initially, he actually began to be on the run right away because the world leaders started killing any babies under the age of two. 
There was nothing majestic about the life of Jesus Christ. It was simple. And actually, it was more than simple. It was actually outcast. Because where did Jesus go when he began his ministry? He went to the towns that none of the other religious leaders would visit. Because Jesus identified with creation. When the Bible tells us that God with us, it means that Jesus knows what we know. Jesus has experienced what we have experienced. We have a God who we can identify with because he identified with us. Well, what does that mean for us tonight? That God came and identified with us. The very first thing and the most importantly thing, what it means tonight is this, is that you and I can have a relationship with the creator of the universe. In the very definition of Jesus' name, Emmanuel, when it says, God with us, that implies something. If I'm with someone, what does that mean? It means that they're also with me. So tonight, for you and for I, the implication of this story is that you and I get to be with God. That's amazing. Every religion throughout history has really had one goal, either please a creator or be with their creator. So religion builds itself to do certain things that allows you to basically attain a certain level. Then you become or you can be with God. Christianity is completely different, and this is where it is completely different. God descends to us so that we can be with God. We do not ascend to God. God descends to us. Tonight, you have an opportunity to be with the creator of the universe because the creator of the universe came and was with, with real humans in real time. So how about you this year? Are you with God? Not, 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 not are you doing stuff for God? Not, oh, do you know the stories about God? No, no, are you with God? Actually in relationship, where you're speaking to God and God is speaking to you through his written word in the gift of his Holy Spirit and the gift of his people that surround you. God wants to be with you. That's why he entered into humanity, so that we could be with him. That's the number one thing. We get to be with God because he was with us. But secondly tonight, for those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ, for those of you who claim the name of Jesus, or for those of you who claim the label Christian, there's implications for you and I tonight as we reflect upon the incarnation, which simply means God taking on flesh. The implications of God taking on flesh are told us in Philippians chapter 2, where it tells us this, make your mind the same as that of Jesus Christ. Or maybe your version says, let your attitude be the same as that of Christ, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. The implication of Christmas for you and I who claim Christ is this, is that you and I are supposed to follow the life model that Jesus has given to us. 
And that life model is this. We consider others before ourselves. Jesus said in Matthew 19, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So those who claim the name of Christ also claim that we come to what? Serve, not be served. Are you reflecting the story of Christmas in your everyday life? You reflect the story of Christmas in your everyday life when you say, I'm going to consider someone else before I consider myself. Because that's the mind of Jesus Christ. The mind of Jesus Christ says, they're good before my good. If someone examined your life, would they see evidence that you're living out the incarnation in your daily life? Very simply means this. You're clothing yourself in humility. Humility does not mean thinking less of yourself. It means thinking of yourself less and saying, I'm not going to be worried about my comfort. Because think about Jesus Christ. He was not worried about his comfort. He left the greatest place, heaven. And he came here to earth. The book of 2 Corinthians tells us that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. That's the mindset of Jesus Christ. The mindset of Jesus Christ is a sacrificial attitude that says, I will lay down my own needs and my own comfort for the good of others. How about you tonight? Do you have the mindset of Jesus Christ? And to have the mindset of Jesus Christ is to put the needs of others before your own. And secondly, to have the mindset of Jesus Christ is to identify with the lowly. Everywhere Jesus went, who did he identify with? The outcast, the lowly. How about you and I tonight? Who are we identifying with? Are you identifying with the poor in your community? Are you identifying with the outcasts in your community? Are you going to care for the widow and the orphan in your community and the world? That's what it means to have the mindset of Jesus Christ to identify with the lowly. To claim the name of Christian, to claim Jesus as Savior, and not have the mindset of Jesus is pure hypocrisy. It's to say, I want Jesus, but I don't want my life to reflect the name of Jesus at all. For our names to reflect the name of Jesus, we must consider others' needs before our own. To have our lives reflect the name of Jesus, we must identify with the lowly, for that's what God did for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Christmas is a time every year where our memories are flooded, where we're reminded of people that we enjoy. And this evening, as we went around the room, everybody in this room could probably identify one person that they could wish they wish they could be with tonight. One person that would be at the dining room table tonight or tomorrow. Holidays can be tough as we have those memories. But tonight, as we reflect upon the life of Jesus Christ, we're reminded of this, 
that that person that we wish we could be with, there's only one pathway to be with them for eternity. And that pathway is to be with God for eternity. Because those who are not with God for eternity will be with no other people for eternity. If there's people that you want to be with, there's one pathway. Be with God. And thankfully tonight, we can be with God because God with us. And so tonight, let us take a moment and ask ourselves, am I in relationship with the Creator? Let us take a moment and ask ourselves, do I have the mindset of Jesus Christ? Let's take a moment of silent prayer this evening. And as we go into prayer, I'm just going to focus on two things. The first is this. I just want to pray, God, renew our relationship with you. And if you've never had that relationship with the creator of the universe before, it's simple of saying, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I don't want to do it on my own. I want to trust in you. I want to be forgiven by you. And then the second part of the prayer, I just want to say, God, renew our minds that we could have the mindset of Jesus Christ. And maybe you just need to ask God tonight, God, break my heart, renew my mind, remove the selfishness in my life, clothe me in humility. Let's go to God in prayer. Gracious God, thank you for coming to us. Lord, tonight we want to claim that opportunity. We want to take advantage of the opportunity to be with you. And so now, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would give each person in this room the gift of faith. Give them the ability to trust in Jesus. God, we come to you not on the basis of our own good works. We come to you not on the basis of our history. We come to you not on the basis of our knowledge. We come to you claiming the name of Jesus who came to us. So God, forgive us, renew us, and restore us to relationship with you. Everlasting God, we also come before you this evening as people who oftentimes get sucked right into thinking about ourselves, thinking about our own comforts. God, I pray that tonight you would renew our minds. God, I pray that tonight you would transform our thinking, that you would create in us the mindset of Jesus Christ. God, create this congregation, build this church to reflect the attitude of Jesus. Lord, I pray now that you'd give us an opportunity to serve one another. I pray that you'd place people in our pathway that we could identify with in the name of Jesus. So God, forgive us when we're prideful. Forgive us when we pursue pleasure rather than the needs of others. God, create in us the attitude of Jesus. God, we praise you and we thank you tonight for coming to us. You are our God, and we give you all of the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.